This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Thursday, December 12th. We got a game to preview, a great game between, well, it's, it's a game of two football teams, a game that features presumptive MVP Lamar Jackson and uh, uh, Sam Darnold, who's being wasted by Adam Gase. We'll get to that in a minute. But first, um, I would remind you that if you like the podcast, rate, subscribe, review, leave a five-star review, ask us a question. We like weird questions. We like to answer them. You guys have great ones. You're all a bunch of kooky nut jobs, and I appreciate it. Um, coming up after the break. Speaking of kooky nut jobs, who I appreciate and love, Pat McAfee, former NFL punter turned uh, media mogul of sorts. McAfee and I uh, talked for like 15 minutes about Cheez-Its. He's uh, going to be doing the Cheez-It Bowl. You can get a chance to win a hangout with him in a two-story Cheez-It box. Uh, we discussed our favorite Cheez-It flavors, our mutual feelings towards Urban Meyer, uh, what Adam Vinatieri is going to do, and a bunch of other stuff. Mac, if he's fun to talk to, you should check it out. But first, let's talk to the preview meister himself, Jared Dubin. Dubs, what's up? There's more than one cheese flavor? Are you serious? Yeah. I've only ever had regular-style Cheez-Its. Are you kidding me? I'm, no. I am I, – I told I told Mac of you this, and you can hear it in like 15 minutes or 20 minutes. Um, I keep a running list – Always of my five favorite Cheez-It flavors and update. That's normal. Totally normal. Yeah. Uh, pepper Jack, <laughs> the pepper, the hot and spicy are the traditional hot ones. They're incredible. They're like oily and greasy and they used to be put Tabasco in them. You should try the pepper Jack Cheez-Its if you haven't had them. They're incredible. They're addictive. And then the, um, they came out with these new Cheez-It snaps, which, uh, let's see. I think it's Cheez-It snaps. Cheez-It snapped or like, S-N-A-P apostrophe D, right? But they have a cheese it snapped ranch. No, the, okay, the snaps, sorry, the snaps are like little curly crisp. It's the cheese, they're like these square thin, I guess you can find, I don't even know what they're called, but they are, they're like, it's like a ranch flavor and it is like crack. I mean, it is the most addictive thing that I've ever put in my mouth. So, um, I would highly recommend you check that out. I'll figure out what they're called. In a Just second. to be clear, Brinson's not telling you to check out crack. He's telling no. you to check out some Cheez-Its. I'm not saying crack's good. I'm saying check out some Cheez-It Grooves. That's what it is. The Zesty Cheddar Ranch Cheez-It Grooves. Oh, my God. I mean, like, you you eat one and you are eating half a box. There's just no no two ways about it. Um, I tried Cheez-It Buffalo Wings the other day. Pretty impressed. I liked it. Um, I need to try these Queso Funditos. Four cheese is okay. Cheddar Jack's very good. Pepper Jack, excellent, as I mentioned. Whole grain, very good, too. Uh, extra toasty, if you like them a little crispy, is very good. Or you could just do reduced fat if you wanted to go that angle. I have lots of thoughts on Cheez-Its. Did, but, you, ever, did you ever watch Community? 
Yeah, of course. Yeah. So the, this reminds me right now, you doing all this cheese it stuff reminds me of like Leonard reviewing the potato chips. <laughs> like, let's potato chips. That's a buy. Or like when, except we're not being paid by cheese it. That's the problem. Um, or like when, uh, Arrested Development of the third season was doing, uh, they would like be like, you know, it's great. Burger King. And they're like, yeah. they would be like, hold up a Burger King wrapper. Like we should be getting paid by cheese it now. Cheese it would be a great sponsor of the show. So everybody tweet at Cheese It and say sponsor the Pick Six podcast. That's Let's, what uh what Thirty Rock would do that too, where they would they did a product integration sketch and they were like, Product yes. integration is a joke and then they come out and there's a Snapple box coming out of the Snapple box, uh Snapple bottle coming out of the elevator. Yeah. Like I just texted my wife, by the way, and told her to get me some Cheez Its at the store. Um Man, I'm st- oh, I love Cheez Its. Uh anyway, um they're probably not healthy for you. I don't care. Let's get to this game. This game is healthy for you, even though it involves the Jets. It's Thursday night football. Jets, Ravens. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that this is supposed to be a good game because the Jets are a trash football team. And um, the Ravens are the best football team in, in the world. And, Dubin, if you look at the uh, the injury report here for the Jets. Uh, not pretty. No, no bueno. Um, we already know that Bilal Powell is going to be out. Ryan Griffin is going to be out. Brian Poole is going to be out. Um, Jamal Adams is doubtful. So is Quinnen Williams. So is Demarius Thomas. I mean, Thomas is a bigger name there maybe for like fantasy players, but no Quinnen Williams, no Jamal Adams. You're, I mean, if they're doubtful, that means they're probably not playing. That's ripping the backbone out of what was already a questionable defense in the first place. Yeah. I mean, the, the past defense for the Jets has been, Pretty terrible all year. The run defense has sort of been the strength of the team, surprisingly. It's number one de- run defense in DVOA. Which I think is- I think it's number two, uh, but either either way, that's obviously really good. Yeah. And that's you know playing without CJ Mosley for most of the year too. Uh, and even after trading Leonard Williams, one of their better run defenders, at the deadline. But I mean, you, you take Quinn and Williams out of there. I think that both Henry Anderson and Steve McClendon are listed as questionable also. So it's, I mean, questionable a lot of times guys will play, but obviously there's a question as to whether they will play. Um, it's, it's shaping up as a, a very ugly night for the Jets defense. It, it really is. Um, I, look, I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it. It's, it's looking like it's going to be bad. The, um, what are the Ravens going to do when they have the ball here? Because Lamar Jackson is questionable. He's going to play. He has a quad injury. He's fine. If this is the playoffs, I don't think he'd be on the injury. Maybe he'd be on the injury report so they don't get in trouble. But, like, it's not a matter of whether he plays. I think it's a matter of how much he plays. Uh, do you think that they will adjust their game plan based on his injury at all? I don't think they would be putting him out there if they felt that they needed to adjust their game plan to account for an injury like it's it seems like it's way too important his health is way too important for them to risk that in a game against the Jets like I think it's significantly more important that Lamar Jackson is healthy than that they get the number one seed in the playoffs right like yeah you know so I don't think that they would be putting him out there if they felt there was a need to adjust things like if he's out there to me they're going to run their offense. Um, I know he had his fewest uh, rushing rushing yards since week one last week, but a lot of that is just because of the way Buffalo runs their defense. Play, they play a lot of zone, so that means for the most part quarterback scrambles are not quite um, 
as advantageous. Right. Uh, the, the Jets have been one of the worst, even, even though their run defense has been really good this year, they have allowed the NFL's fourth most scrambles and seventh most rushing yards to scrambling quarterbacks, according to Sports Info Solutions. So, I feel like that they can still, uh, still do well with Lamar running in this game. And I looked at it, Sports Info Solutions has them facing only five design quarterback runs all season. The That's Jets. Oh. It's very low. Incredibly low. Why? What's, what the hell's happening here? Uh, I would imagine that, I mean, that's, you know, the fourth most scrambles. So they're obviously facing a, a decent amount of quarterback runs, but it's not like that many teams do design quarterback runs. And that's, it's, you know, it's not including sneaks and kneels. Um, so, so I, I took those actually, out. Do you actually think that the, um, that the Jets or the Ravens will run Lamar Jackson a lot. I feel like they ran him 11 times for like 40 yards against Buffalo. It felt like they were trying to reduce it. And I do feel like in certain spots, they've been willing to limit the number of times he runs if they can help it. Cause they, especially they, they said Mike Garofalo of NFL Network reported, um, on Thursday morning, he's in Baltimore. He said that John Harbaugh told him they want to reduce the number of hits on Lamar Jackson's legs, which especially makes sense with the quad injury. Um, I would assume. They don't run him if they don't want his legs to get hit. I just think that they're going to run their regular offense and try to take advantage of the Jets' weaknesses. Grant, their weakness is against the pass, so that might mean um, that might mean throwing more often anyway, just because that's the way that you want to beat the Jets. But I, I don't think that it's like you can't run on them, especially because they haven't faced a rushing attack like the Ravens and obviously there's there's no other rushing attack really like the Ravens anyway. Okay. What uh I, I put in a prop bet. What do you think about this? It's it's uh twenty five dollars. Thirty five to one, Marquise Brown, three touchdowns. There are certainly worse bets you can make. <laughs> uh my theory here is that Greg Williams is gonna walk everyone down to try and stop Lamar Jackson from running and Mark Ingram from running. And they're going to drop Lamar Jackson back and just let him throw to Mark to Hollywood Brown early and often on short, short passes and see if he can jailbreak some, maybe take him over the top. I think they'd like to, I think the jet, I think the Ravens would like to score early and get Lamar Jackson out of there. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the Jets pass defense has been bad, especially against, deep passes um you know I'm, I'm looking at the numbers here they're 22nd in pass defense dvoa this season they rank in the bottom third of the league on throws to number one receivers number two receivers tight ends and running backs the only place they've been good is against number three and number four receivers but <laughs> the the ravens use their number three and four receivers less often than any other team in the league like the entire pass offense essentially runs through Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, um, you know, with, you know, occasionally Nick Boyle, Hayden Hurst, Lee Sneeds, Roberts, Miles Boykin, but I mean, Lamar has seven touchdown passes on throws that travel more than 20 yards in the air. That's six most in the NFL, and he's only thrown the 19th most deep passes. So he's, he's really good at creating deep touchdowns. The Jets are really bad at allowing deep touchdowns. Um, there are definitely worse things you could do than bet that Marquise Brown goes off against a team that lo- loves allowing deep touchdowns. 
He's going to have two, and like one will be like PI, the marketing world punching in. I'll be freaking out tonight. Uh, <laughs> wins like a thousand bucks. I mean, I'm you know, it, I'm not expecting to win. It's a little a little gamble. So if you got that out there, maybe you uh, maybe you uh, maybe you roll with that as well. Thirty five to one is good odds. Ah, I mean, like he's he catches. I mean, like I can see him catching two touchdown passes in the first quarter, <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like, whoa! Uh, I'm definitely playing him as my DFS captain tonight. Um, do you think? Mark Andrews will be heavily – we've seen them – like, Mark Andrews is questionable. I'm not going to start him in fantasy, and it's risky because they're playing a bad pass defense. He's Lamar Jackson's top weapon, but he has always – all season long, he has played a limited number of snaps, even, like, when he's having a big game. Like, he doesn't play a ton of snaps. They just – they rotate guys in a lot. Um, and with him being questionable, I'm a little worried about starting him. Do you think that they'll try to incorporate more Nick Boyle, more Hayden Hurst, Less Mark Andrews to keep him healthy. Cause I mean, really, like, I don't think, I don't think anybody's, anybody in the NFL takes a game seriously as like a free game. But I mean, this is about as close as you get. A short week at home against a Jets team that is really banged up, that it has just lost, almost should have lost to the Dolphins, did lose to the Bengals. Um, and you have the number one seed in your grasp. You just have to get a 17 point lead here and it's over. Yeah. I mean, and like you said, Andrews doesn't particularly play all that many snaps anyway. I wrote about this um, last week in my quarterback pass catcher series when Lamar and Andrews were the focus. Andrews is not even first on the team in snaps among tight ends. Nick Boyle played more snaps than he does. Um, what they do is they just maximize what they're going to do with Andrews on the field. When he's on the field, almost 70% of the time, it's a passing play, and he's only been held into pass block five times all season. So when he's on the field, they send him out in a route, and when he's out in a route, they target him more often than any other tight end in the league. He's been targeted on more than 30% of his routes this year. That's by far the most among any tight end with at least 50 targets. So... His snaps get limited anyway, so I would imagine that they'll be similarly limited in this game. You know, maybe that means he plays 25, 30 snaps. Maybe it means he gets up into the 40 range where he usually is, but it's, it's not like he's out there on 75, 80% of the snaps anyway. I think his season high is 57%, and he's only gotten over 50, I think, three times. So, He's not one of those guys that's really in danger of overuse. Maybe they use him slightly less often. I think he's been down in the 30s a couple of games, and maybe it's one of those types. But when he's on the field, they want to target him because that's the best part of their passing game. Okay. Uh, what about with the Jets when they've got the ball? It's exciting. It's thrilling. It's Adam Gase running Le'Veon Bell into the middle of the line and giving Sam Darnold tough looks. Robbie Anderson deep down the field. Who's not excited? J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Yeah, um, <laughs> sorry. The Jets, basically the only consistent thing about them this year is just how Fairly. inconsistent that they've been. Like, you take out that, th- I mean, they have some of the worst offensive overall numbers in the league because of that three game stretch where Darnold missed and they only gained 495 yards and 23 points in those three games. Like, the Ravens have scored more than 23 points in every game but one this season and the Jets scored 23 points in a three game stretch with Darnold out. So, you know, but he, he came back from mono in week five and like lit up the Cowboys. Then the next week he had the, you know, the seeing ghosts game against the Patriots, the worst week <laughs> of his career. Then they scored 33 combined points in back to back losses to the Jaguars and dolphins then scored 
34 in each game they, they won against the Giants, Washington, and the Raiders, and then they scored six points against the Bengals. Like, there's really no telling. It's like the Jets are basically the Chargers right now. There's no telling which version of them you're going to see in any given week. Like, maybe like a couple weeks ago, you could have thought they look pretty good against bad defenses and then really bad against good defenses, but then, like, he wasn't very good against the Bengals and Dolphins the last two weeks either. So you can't even really say that. I mean... There's there's no rhyme or reason to how good they look, but they have looked pretty bad against the best defenses in the league. And now, like, they're going up against the secondary that, I mean, the way the Ravens secondary is playing right now, they're playing about as well as that Patriots secondary was playing back in week seven when Darnold looked, you know, as lost as we've seen any quarterback look this year. Yeah, that's the problem is, like, this matchup for the Jets, if they were playing a good – if they were playing themselves – like a good run or a, a theoretically good run defense and a bad pass defense, they could probably score, but they're not. They're playing a great pass defense. Like the Ravens secondary is rolling right now. They're shutting everybody down. They want to, I think they want to keep sending a message. They know that they, you go out there and you, like if you, if you do the, the ghost thing with Darnold or you get him in a ghost, if you get him in ghost mode in the first quarter, this game's over. Like they won't, like Adam Gase won't try to come back. He wasn't even trying to come back and like the, like, in Cincinnati, and he'd already skipped Thanksgiving to like, he didn't even be with his family. It drives me nuts. The Jets are so bad. Um, you trust anybody on the Jets in fantasy? No, I mean you look at it. The the pass offense. I mean, I guess you could maybe make an argument for trusting Ryan Griffin just because it seems like they're going to have to direct he's, a lot of the pass he, offense. He's already ruled out. Griffin was ruled out for this game. All right, crazy. I didn't think I saw that, but I'll the Jets injury report is harder to. He is ruled out for this game. So then, yeah, you can't trust anybody, <laughs> um, because I mean, you look at the receivers. I mean, Jamison Crowder, you would assume is going to see a lot of Marlon Humphrey in the slot. That's uh, about as bad a matchup as you can get in the entire NFL right now. Robbie Anderson, and then you know if Demarius Thomas gets on the field, they're going to see Jimmy Smith and Marcus Peters. I mean, Marcus Peters has the thir- the third highest grade at pro football focus among cornerbacks since he got to Baltimore and the second highest coverage grade. You would imagine that Anderson and then possibly Thomas, uh, if, if Thomas plays, going to see a lot of Peters. They're both going to see a lot of Smith. I mean, these guys are bawling out of their minds right now. Yeah, they're killing it. The Ravens secondary is. Um, you know what? Let's not belabor the point, dudes. Let's get straight to the player props. <laughs> <laughs> I had to run out in the middle of this. Nobody cares. Sam Darnold over under 222 and a half passing yards in this game. Yeah, I mean, given what we just said about the Ravens secondary, how just how well this defense is playing overall. And then, I mean, without Griffin, potentially without Thomas, I don't see how you could go over for the Jets passing game. I'm with you. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I think, is very interesting, however. Um, two props, one that uh, isn't actually on this list. Uh, his over-under for rushing yards is 60-and-a-half, and his over-under for completions is 17-and-a-half. Um, I think that I like the under on both in a big way because, one, I mean, look, you know, he, could, he, he needs like 30-something to break Michael Vick's record, but I don't understand why that's a big deal when he could just break it next week. Um, he doesn't have more than 17 completions since week six against Cincinnati. Now, granted, he could go 21 of 33, like he did against Cincinnati in this game because the Jets are good against a run. I feel like if he's got 
15 completions, he might have three touchdowns. And at that point, the Ravens are going to try and get him out of there. So, like, I like the under on these Lamar Jackson props with the idea that he could potentially not be playing in the second half or third or fourth quarter. It's definitely possible. I don't know that you can approach something as, you know, betting on the game being so out of hand that he's going to come out of the game. That's fair. You know, even most blowouts, the players don't usually come out unless it's legit like a 30 point lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah. You know, even if, even if a team is up 17 in the fourth, which is a blowout and would, I believe, because I saw the spread cover the spread in this game, team players aren't coming out with a 17 point fourth quarter lead for the most part. So you, you basically have to be banking on them winning by three plus touchdowns, um, which obviously is pretty possible, but you're banking on that to assume that he's going to be out of the game by the end. I just don't, I think, well, I guess it's not so much banking that he'll leave so much more that it's banking that they're not going to try to run him, that they want to like, I don't think they're going to try and run up the score on the jets. I think this is a let's like, I think it's me. Let's play defense. Let's get some early passing yards and then let's run the ball a bunch and get out of Dodge with uh like worst case scenario, 24 to 10 win. It's possible. Um, certainly the defense is playing well enough that you could say, you know what, we're going to try to control the ball and just stop them from scoring because that's what we could do. Granted, their offense is a, it's at the same time, it's a ball control and an explosive offense just because, True. I mean, they are able to hit those deep passes, like I mentioned earlier, and, you know, Jackson breaks long runs as well as anybody in the league. Even Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards, they, those guys break runs. They, they're, very good at, uh, at, at, at both breaking tackles and at gaining yards before contact. So. So you would, so you wouldn't, you would, would you take the over or under on those numbers then? 17 and a half completions and, um, 60 and a half rushing yards, I think I said. Um, I think I might go over on the completions. Ooh, um, crap. just the, the Jets pass defense is so bad. I think even if he throws like, 25 passes he could get over 17 completions that's true he could go 21 to 25 easily mark ingram over under 56 and a half rushing yards um i think i would go over there the jets defense the run defense has been good but again so much of their run defense is out of this game you know yeah yeah the defense is not good they're not good uh, Le'Veon Bell over under 81 and a half rushing and receiving yards combined. Le'Veon Bell, I don't believe has a 70 yard r- uh, game yet this year. He definitely has half as many rushing yards as Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tempting to think that the, he could just be really the only guy that could get them yards. So you might want to go over, but I don't particularly see the Jets having much success offensively against this Baltimore defense. And it's like, They've given no indication that they're either willing or able to just give him 25, 30 carries, um, and, and that that will be successful. Um, he's also, I mean, I know he went out bowling, but he's coming off the flu. It's not like you could expect that he's just going to be himself three days later. Um, I don't think you could go over there either. Okay. Uh, what's your final score? I'm assuming it involves something ugly. Yeah, I got 33-14 Ravens. Ooh. 
So cover the spread, but it goes over just a bit. You have two touchdowns for the Jets. A late Jets garbage time touchdown. How many passing attempts did you have for Robert Griffin III built in? Uh, I don't think I included any. Okay. I was thinking about using him in DFS. Um, I'll go again with the idea that there are, there are worse ideas. Um, but there are certainly better ideas as well. All right. Uh, good stuff, Dubin. Let's, uh, let's slog. Wait, what's your score? Uh, 24-10. All right. So we got, you know, similar kind of games. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little, I think, I, I mean, like, look, the Ravens are capable of coming out and putting up. Actually, you know what? I'll take that back. I'm going to say 31-10. I just can't see really any way that the, the Jets are, like, stopping them on offense, you know? like. And how are the, the Jets aren't going to score? I mean, like, they are, like, they're, I don't think that Adam Gase is sandbagging this game by any stretch of the imagination, but when you put that many people on the, on the injury report, and like if they rule more people out as the game gets closer, it might indicate to me at least a willingness to make an excuse for an ugly game. Just I don't to- think that the Jets uh, need to have excuses for ugly games. They have ugly games anyway. That's true. Um, I'm I'm very upset when they lose tonight. My Jets start the season one and five, but finish eight and eight prediction. Is officially going to die. They did start one and five, but you know they've they've got the Ravens, Bills, and Steelers, I believe, as their last three games. So they're probably I, I, not going to finish eight and eight. I will probably have to give up my Jets will make playoff push thing this evening as well. So we got that. But you know what? On the bright side, we do have Pat McAfee on the other side of the break. So make sure and tune in for that. Dubin, thanks, buddy. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. We will chat on Monday for a game. Oh, Saints Colts. That's not a terrible game. Well, not too bad. It's better than this game. It's better than the Monday night game we had last week. <laughs> That's right. All right, buddy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, joining the show now as promised, the legendary uh, ESPN commentator, belly flopper, and uh, and now like a, a bowl game maestro for Cheez-It, as well as a former you know professional freaking football player and uh, a very funny guy. Pat McAfee, what's up, man? Will, thank you so much for having me on. Excited to chit-chat today. I'm the master of cheese for the cheese at all. The M cheese, if you will. <laughs> I can't wait to chat with you. Well, you know, I, uh, I don't always get down with, like, you know, we, we, like, we, we have, we have like X number of 
um, you know, spots that we have to fill for the podcast on a weekly basis. And they'll, they'll let us do 10 or 12. They don't care. We were, we were, you know, worried, like we, we, we try not to fill it with too many interview spots from outside. But when somebody was like, it's McAfee and it's cheese it, which happens to be my favorite, uh, my favorite snack of all time, I was more than willing to engage. So thank you in all seriousness, Pat, for, for taking the time. Explain, uh, what you're doing with the cheese it bowl because I saw it and I noticed that it looks like you are uh, you are going to be, I, I think, standing in a giant like box of Cheez-Its. Is that correct? Well, first of all, dream come true to come on the Pitch Six podcast. So thank you so much <laughs> for making time for having me come on here. Uh, and Cheez-Its are everybody's favorite original snack. It's the absolute greatest. Everybody loves it. So whenever I was approached with this opportunity, I was nothing but elated. And now that December 27th is quickly coming upon us in the chit chat about it has been rising. I am pumped up for what's going to go down to Chase Field whenever Washington State and Mike Leach take on the Air Force Falcons. Uh, I'll be sitting in a two-story high Cheez-It box uh, with Numerous people who win a contest via Twitter, which you can enter, Will, if you love cheese it as much as you say you do, utilize the hashtag CheesePickMePatEntry in tag at cheese it with a photo or a video of yourself showcasing how much you love cheese it. And you could sit in the two-story cheese it box with me fieldside watching the biggest best bowl of all time. Now, I can't wait for it because I think it's going to be a very good game. I can't wait for it because I'm sitting in a two-story cheese-it box. And I can't wait for it because it's going to be Arizona in the middle of December. The weather should be beautiful. All things are lining here for a beautiful evening, and I'm excited and lucky to be a part of it, Will. Are you going to be in the – and so just for the record, like I, I'm not joking when I say I love cheese-its. Like I, my, my new, I, I keep a running tabulation of my top five cheese-its, like flavors – in like at all times in my head, like, you know how like athletic directors have a, a list of like five candidates. If they're coach bolts, I have a list of five cheese. It's that I keep in my wallet. My current number one is the, uh, the pepper Jack cheese. It, if you haven't had it, I highly recommend it. The new Buffalo wild wings, very delicious too. Um, are you going to be commentating on the game from the giant cheese it box or just hanging out with the fans, drinking cold beer? What's, what's the setup there? Oh, no, no. Ryan Leaf, I believe, will be on the call for ESPN at 10.15, December 27th, Eastern Standard Time. Oh, yeah. I will just be the MC, the MC of the in-action at the stadium. We're running contests in between quarters. Uh, we'll be chit-chatting with the fans that are there, basically just trying to make it not only the most electrifying game, but also the most electrifying environment in all of college football. And that'll be my gig. That'll be my role. I respect the fact you like the Pepper Jack. I'm an OG fan myself. I got a very basic palate. It likes the old one. We some of the toasted guys in here in white cheddar, and I respect the Pepper Jack. The OG does it for me, but I think as long as people are enjoying cheese it, which everybody does, that's the only thing that truly matters. That's right. Um, you get to, does this mean you get to spend like hours with Mike Leach or at least minutes <laughs> leading up to, I mean, he's the most interesting cat on the planet, right? I think so. And, and anytime I get a chance to watch his press conferences, I make time for it because you have no idea what it's going to be about. He was talking about pirates one particular time, yeah. then Bigfoot. And if I had a chance to talk to him, that would be a dream come true as, all, as well. That has not been scheduled. The conversation between myself and Mike Leach has not been scheduled. But when I saw that Washington State was making an appearance in the Cheez-It Bowl, I was, I was excited. Couldn't wait to see that man. Can't wait to see what he does for the press conferences. Hopefully I'll get a chance to meet him, chat about Bigfoot and all those things involved. Uh, but it has not been on the docket yet for us to talk. But I, as much as 
uh, my family and friends are hoping that that happens. You need to have, I know you have multiple shows that you do, like your, you have your, uh, the zone show and, you know, your pod, you know, all, all the stuff that you do, your multimedia presence. You need to have Mike Leach on. That would be a very nice combination. Um, I don't know. Are you going to have, uh, Urban Meyer on your show anytime soon? I know that, um, there was some like, uh, I, I don't know how much of it was a joke or how much it was serious. It was, it was funny as hell. Like you, you clapped back at him on social media in a very subtle and humorous way. Uh, or was that, was that, he, he, he made a belly flop joke, which I didn't, I didn't really think was necessary given, for those who don't know, Urban does the Fox college football show with, with our pal Brady Quinn. Um, and then Pat does college game day and, you did what I thought was you, you did a full suit belly flop off a boat into a river. Like it was ballsy as hell while being mic'd up and it was highly entertaining. And now it's on the coming to your city montage. Like it was really exciting. And then for some reason you got this random pot shot from, from urban Meyer. And then you, you clap back at him on, on social media. Is that beef real or is it just sort of tongue in cheek? Well, I don't know if it's real for him. It's real for me. I don't like him. And it's, <laughs> it's, uh, it was a cerebral. It was a cerebral response. I mean, I had to soften that thing like 10 to 15 times before I sent it out because I am not a college game day employee. Hope to be one day. Maybe we'll see how that all works out. And I didn't want to ruin that before it even got started. Uh, and you asked if Urban Meyer would be a guest on my show. I like electric guests. You know what I mean? Not bland, boring people. So Mike Leach would be welcomed anytime. Urban Meyer, not so much. Um, yeah, I, that came out of nowhere, Will. I mean, literally out of nowhere. He could have taken a shot at a lot of things, and I think everybody's been like, okay. To take a shot at me, I, I just, on the Internet where I lived, I couldn't just sit there and let that pass. I mean, that Big Ten, I think his name's Mike Hall or whatever, the guy that tweeted it out. I got that thing tweeted to me by 40 to 50 people. As soon as he sent it out, they were like, what are you going to do? And then I got a text from my mother my mom even told me, she was like, hey, I don't know if you heard, but Urban Meyer took a shot of you. Like, oh, I heard. And my mom's like, what are you going to do about it? Are you just going to sit there and take it? I'm like, no, mom. Like, I'm not just going to sit here and take it. Please, let me figure this out. So, I mean, it, it caused a lot of problems in my life that it reached all the way up to my mother. Yeah. So maybe that is how uh, I feel so deep about it. But Urban Meyer and I will have a beef for a long time. Well, I think he should know that. I think he probably does know that. And I... Uh, I'm well, excited to see where it goes. Well, so, I mean, just for some bad, well, one, I would say like you, 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 you have the same sensibilities that I do. And so when like somebody fires a shot like me out of, like out of nowhere, I, my first reaction is like my face gets really hot and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to burn this guy. Like I'm going to burn this person to the ground. And I'm like, okay, okay, settle down, settle down. And you got to regroup a little and then you come back with the, the subtle comedic, uh, but a little bit over the top pot shot, not pot shot, but like, like fire back, like, like you return fire and I like it. I actually got in hot water for like two days because I tweeted that I thought that Urban would have been still, I wouldn't think he would have finished out the season if he'd been in the college football playoff. Like he probably would have been healthy enough. And his wife, somebody tweet, like somebody showed it to his wife and I got blitzkrieg for like 48 hours by Ohio State fans. So, uh, I was glad to yeah. see you. Uh, but look, come on. The guy, like he, you think he, you think he's not coming back to coach? Please. He's coming back to coach. Would you, would, would he, how do you, well, how, how do you think well, he'd do in the gotta, NFL? You will. You got to weigh the pros and cons for everything. You yeah. know what I mean? You got to weigh the pros and cons for everything, especially when you're deciding whether or not to get into a beef. On the internet. For me, I mean, I sold out a theater in Columbus in like six minutes in Columbus, Ohio, with a lot of. So I understand that I have uh. a pretty good following in Ohio State. I very much understood that there's a lot of Buckeye fans, which I appreciate, and I'm a, a very grateful for them. 
But I think even those people understood that, like, yeah, Urban went out of his way to take a shot at me. So I didn't get heated. Uh, it was actually a moment, if you live on the Internet, that you look forward to. These are things that you look forward to happening. And that's exactly how I felt. But my mom questioning whether or not I was going to do something was one of the funniest things I've ever been involved <laughs> That is good. All right. Uh, speaking of controversies. Curious, you know, you were, uh, you were, you were around heavily involved in the, well, not heavily involved, but you were there and present for Deflate Gate as it erupted, uh, from your old pal Ryan Grigson, uh, reporting Bill Belichick to the NFL. Uh, the, the, the Patriots are back in the news, Pat, because of Spygate part de, uh, little, uh, <laughs> Little hot shots reference there. Uh, but the, uh, the, uh, Spygate part two is here. What, what did you think when you saw the Bill Belichick or that, that a, that a, not Bill Belichick, that, a, that the Patriots had sent cameramen to Cleveland to record the Browns Bengals games under the auspice of, uh, a, a do your job feature? Do you, do you buy or sell that the Patriots are up to shenanigans here? Well, first of all, the deflating situation, I think any close player that you asked and chatted about, we wanted that thing to disappear as quick as possible because mm. we lost by 50. Yeah. And any time it was brought up, all they would say was, well, they won by 60 against that coach. And it's like, oh, why do we continue to have to take ricochet shots here while this drags a year later, two years later? So we wanted that thing to be over quicker than anybody else. I promise you that. And then Spygate 1.0, I think the issue with that is everybody knows that stealing signals happens. Like, people, this happens in college football. It happens in the NFL. If you have somebody who can look over and dissect it on the fly and figure it out, and that gives an advantage to your team, everybody's like, okay, good on you. The thing that made everybody mad was recording it so mm -hmm. that you can look back and study it. I mean, that is just something, you know, it kind of jeopardizes the integrity of the game a little bit, which is why I think it disappeared in a ball of flames as quick as possible and moved forward. And I don't think we'll ever realize, really know the story behind the first Spygate situation. I don't think we'll ever really know the ins and outs of it. I don't think it ever get released. In this particular case, for me, I just don't see how the Patriots, who are this cerebral, super intelligent, operation dynasty that'll never ever happen again although a lot of asterisks are said about this thing due to the spy gate and deflate gate and everything else from anybody outside of new england this dynasty will never happen again i just don't see how they would send somebody into a press box representing the new england patriots wearing either a patriots polo or a boston bruins jersey <laughs> and just record somebody openly i just don't see how bill belichick would be involved in something along those lines Bill Belichick, I think we could say a lot of things about him. He mumbles. He hates the media and press conferences. Greatest coach of all time. It just feels like he's too smart to let that one fly. So I honestly, deep down, and I might be a naive person who believes what people say right to their face, especially if they're 100% certain about it, saying, I 100% don't know what you're talking about, which is what Belichick said. I tend to believe that more so than thinking that this was another spy gate. But this is not going to disappear. This is a big deal. People are going to want to know about this just strictly because the integrity of the game in the past history with New England. And I'm excited to see how it all pans out. Yeah, like the, the, it's interesting how the, the clubs involved are sort of the, like the mitigating and the enhancing factors here, because if this were the Patriots and they had sent somebody to Baltimore to check out the Ravens, 
then people would be freaking out and no one would be letting this go. But because they were checking out the one win Bengals, nobody gives a crap. They're like, like, oh, come on. Like, like you really going to like steal signals from the Bengals the week prior. And then additionally, if this were the Chargers going to the Bengals, everyone would be like, look at these stupid, dumb Chargers. They do, they can't do anything right. They can't even do a documentary right. But because of the Patriots, it, you're right. Like it is the stigma of the Spygate thing comes around. I, I just tend to think that I, I'm with you. Like Bill Belichick is way too smart. To have, like, he's not going to build out some in-house documentary series designed to trap the Cincinnati Bengals and Zach Taylor. Like, that's not. Well, 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 I think, I think just like what happened with the Flakegate, everybody was like, well, if they did it against the Colts, let's assume they did it against somebody else. Like a week before they played against the Ravens, I think they only won by like seven. So I think the Ravens fans might have had something to say. And I would assume in this particular case, like, well, if they're doing it against the Bengals or doing it against somebody else, in my eyes, I just don't think they were doing it. That just sounds like something that'd be very dumb just to openly do that in the press box where everybody has a camera. Uh, so this seems like. Now, it's going to be a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people who hate the Patriots, but it seems like the, there's a kink in the armor a little bit maybe for the Patriots where not everything is run to perfection. Kraft Productions hired an mm. independent contractor had no idea what he was doing, which is not the Patriot way at all. That's a good point. A little slippage, little slippage there in, uh, in, okay. in New England. All right, in Indianapolis, um, it seems like Adam Vinatieri's season is over. I think it, is he officially on, I guess he was officially placed on IR, right? So, uh, one of the best to ever do it. What your buddy? He showed up at your retirement press conference. Uh, he asked you about his balls, um, very, very nicely. Uh, is he? You think this is it for him? I think uh, he's not one of the. He's the best to ever do it. I mean, that's just. Uh, a, a, he's the most clutch kicker. Of, he's the most clutch kicker of all time, and I don't think it's even close. He's the most clutch athlete of all time. And he's the best kicker of all time. And I think Justin Tucker will be the next guy, obviously, because of how good Justin Tucker is. And he has surgery, I think, tomorrow, I believe. Um, he's going on IR. And I think that knee injury did linger all year, which affected his performance. And he would never say that, obviously, because he's not a guy that makes excuses. He's just a guy that works hard. And I think when you look at the comparisons to him, like Gary Anderson, Morton Anderson, guys who kick later into their years of life, I think those guys didn't have a strong leg anymore. They were only able to kick 40, 45-yard field goals. Vinatieri's still hitting 55, 60-yard field goals. And with how competitive he is, I think we're really going to have to see after this rehab and after the surgery how he feels to see if he comes back next year. A lot of people are just assuming he's done. I'm not 100% certain he is. He loves the game. He loves competing. He loves kicking balls. He likes being a part of something bigger than himself. And he has every record that you could possibly have. And I'm just not 100% sure he's done. I think we have to wait and see how the rehab goes on that knee. And I think he's potentially excited to get back out there and kick some more balls or kind of go off into the, into the sunset and right away knowing that he's the greatest of all time, going to the Hall of Fame as a kicker, which isn't normal at all. Yeah, and uh, he might get to uh, – he'll get to hang out at his uh, ranch out in uh, – is it Idaho, I think? He has a ranch out in Idaho? Like or maybe it's Montana. He's got a big hunting Montana. ranch. Yeah, he's got a big Ranger hunting ranch out there, ranch. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I talked to him about it because my dad's a big hunter, so I chatted him up about that. Um, it, really quickly, just to follow up on Vinatieri, though, like I think one of the things that people were surprised, you know, people from the thirty thousand foot viewpoint are like, "What? Like, why are they cut this guy? Get rid of this guy?" It, it, it's not like that in Indy, right? I mean, Frank Wright and that whole that whole like clubhouse, that whole locker room really embraces him as a leader. Like Frank wants it, wanted him there, leading that team, right? Isn't that isn't that more about what it was than even the missed extra points? 
Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that have greatness around you, right? I mean, every team wants to have greatness yeah. around you. They have the greatest of all time. A man who's been there, done that with everything, is obviously good to be in the locker room. The entire building loves Adam Vinatieri. Anybody that's ever played with Adam Vinatieri loves that man. But also, if you look at these teams that cut their kickers and bring in other kickers, you're not necessarily going to get a good kicker off the street. So Adam Vinatieri on his 50% day, maybe 60% day because of how bad his knee hurts or whatever, is better than a lot of humans walking this earth, especially free agent kickers. So I think both their loyalty from Jim Irsay all the way down to Adam Vinatieri for everything he's done to the Colts and also his greatness in his resume is something that kept him around and how much people like him. But also knowing that he's still a very good kicker who kicks the ball very well and very far, even though he's missed a couple, which I do believe is because of his knees injuring him. Um, I, there was a lot of reasons not to get rid of him, and it, it's hard to cut the greatest of all time. Now, Ursay did it with Peyton. Peyton went on to win the Super Bowl. It's very <laughs> difficult to pull the trigger on the greatest of all time, and uh, I think that's kind of how everybody felt. All right, uh, get you out of here on this. NFL is doing their top 100. Ray Guy or Shane Leckler? Or you can say Pat McAfee. No, Shane Leckler is the greatest of all time by far. It's not even close. He was a guy that I used to watch his film to learn how to punt and become better. He was a guy that I befriended. I was very, very honored whenever Shane Leckler told me he thought I was a really good punter because wow. he's the greatest of all time. I love that man. All right, love it. Uh, Pat McAfee, you can watch. Uh, what's the hashtag again for the uh, for the Cheez-It Bowl? I have it here somewhere, but I know you know it off the top of your hashtag head. Hashtag Cheese Pick Me Pat Entry at Cheez-It. Showcase why and how you love Cheez It. You could be sitting next to me on a two story high Cheez It box right next to the field watching the biggest best bowl of all time ever. And it is actually going to be a fantastic clash of styles because Air Force is a grinder option team and Washington State. Mike Leach has never met a pass he doesn't like to be thrown. He might, he, the Air Force might run the ball 60 times and, and, and Mike Leach might throw the ball 60 times. So this could be, it's a, it's a very oil and water type of situation. Going to be a fun ball, ten fifteen at night too. Who doesn't love a ten fifteen p.m. bowl game? It's gonna be awesome, Pat. Damn right. Yeah. Go to sleep watching the biggest best bowl of all time ever. We're gonna have a good time with cheese, and I'm very thankful to be a part of it. Also, very thankful to be a part of the Pick Six podcast. I appreciate you making time. Yeah, man. Appreciate it, Pat. Take it easy, buddy. Now streaming. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil, has returned. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not going to survive this. Evil, the final season. Now streaming only on Paramount Plus.